it is a mental flip to say, wait a second, social media is actually a billboard. It's an ad for my brand. That is not how they view it. And so when as I started working with this player and I said, you, you know, you don't, do you want to play in the pros? And he said, yes. And I said, you don't have any, any images up here at all of baseball. Do you not like baseball? And he looked at me and he said, of course I like baseball. I said, well, then why don't you have any images of you playing baseball? This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Hey, today we want to talk about nil. Name, image, likeness. That could have had a better name, quite frankly, but nobody asked me. Uh, When I was a college athlete back in the 90s, we didn't have such a thing. We couldn't you know, sell our images. We couldn't get endorsement deals. I'm not saying I would have gotten any, quite frankly. Uh, we also didn't have social media at the time. But certainly today, that is no longer the case. We see the likes of Caitlin Clark, Paige Beckers making a ton of money. How much exactly? I don't know. But, you know, more than I made, certainly. And of course, I wasn't at their level anyways. Uh, so Kim Whitler, she published a new book on that topic. We'll talk, we'll get to that in a minute. But before we do, I want to mention uh, the latest review I'm seeing here from Jeremy Wolf. Really appreciate everybody taking the time. You can review the podcast on Amazon, on Apple, on Podchaser, and I think Spotify, you can leave um, a star rating. So Jeremy says, Christoph manages to find fascinating guests and covers a range of interesting topics. Well worth adding the business storytelling show to your list. So really, really appreciate that. On a personal note, my new book is now out, Is Marketing a Good Career? I hope you check that out. Uh, It is, I don't know why that says $0. I'm sure it's not available for $0. Maybe it is. Maybe Amazon is testing something. I don't know. But uh, if you're considering a career in marketing, this book can give you the answers or questions you should ask to find out if that's really where you want to go. All right. So let's get to today's shows. Today's show, the new book is called Athlete Brands. What goes into doing that? Welcome to the show. Welcome back, Kim. Hey. (laughs) It's great to to be back. Good to see you again. Uh, If you're not seeing us, make sure you check it out on Spotify. There's now a video version. And the other thing I want to mention really briefly, we are live streaming on Amazon. So you can uh, check out Kim's book in the carousel. And everything you see around me is also available in the carousel. Now, let's get to the meat of the show. Kim, tell us about the latest book. Why now? Why is this an important topic? Why did you write the book? And what did you learn? So I, I mean, the, the, the book, I, here's the book. It's, you can see it's a little bit of a, of a different type of a book. It's fairly large. It's meant really to be more of a workbook. Um, I'll tell you how it, it came to be because this is, I had not intended to write a book on athlete brands. What happened was NIL, name, image, likeness, the, the ruling, it was predicted to come down a couple years ago. So it was expected 
that the NCAA would allow college athletes to actually make money off of their, their brands, essentially. And so uh, one of the individuals uh, in the athletic department came to me and asked me some questions because they were getting inundated with agencies, marketing agencies that could, that were offering to potentially be able to help student athletes. And as Ted White, he was a deputy athletic director at the time, as he and I started talking, I said, I'm worried that individuals may not have our student athletes best interest at heart. Um, and he had the same worry. And so we started talking about in a very University of Virginia fashion, how could we empower our student athletes to take control of their brands versus turning their brands over to potentially, in some cases, don't have, frankly, the student athletes best interests at heart or who fully understand the student athletes. And so again, in a very UVA manner, we decided to think about developing curriculum that would, would provide knowledge and skill that would enable student athletes to figure out what they wanted their brand to be and to think about what it meant to professionally build, manage, and execute a brand. So essentially, the goal of the book was to start giving them skills and tools that you might learn as a pro athlete, but to do that much earlier in their careers. It's just an interesting topic. I mean, when you see some of these pro athletes, I'm thinking of um, Isaac uh, Rochelle, I believe, who's built a fantastic following on TikTok. And, you know, just when he gets picked up by a team, everybody kind of follows along. And I couldn't have imagined, you know, building that kind of brand so publicly on social media outside from just TV, like the games and stuff. Uh, when I was an athlete, of course, those were very, very different times. Um, but when when we talk about building a brand, are we talking about every every student athlete or is it really just the, the big names that need to worry about? Or is it anybody that that plays or maybe even people that don't play as much? Um, like what's kind of the line on who should think about it? Yeah. So, so Christoph, I was like you, I was in a, when I was in college, I was recruited, um, as an athlete, I played golf. So I would, you know, that's typically a lower profile sport. And I was a lower profile player. I wasn't the best in the country and it was a different time. It was pre-social media. Um, today, you know, your question is of us, we all have brands, whether we're an athlete, we're not an athlete, we're a CEO, we're a CMO, everybody has a brand. And the question is, do you kind of want to take charge of it? And so I do this same type of work, not only with athletes, but with my MBA students, with executives, right? So I, I do some work every uh, July with the Secretary of Defense uh, these are leaders in the military who are just below the general level and they manage, you know, thousands, in some case, thousands of people. Well, they do care about the brand that they build and have built because that um, reflects on them as a leader. It reflects on the military. So my, my short answer is all of us have brands. Now, the question is, in a college environment, you're an 18 to 22 year old uh, collegiate athlete. How much time should you spend investing in building your brand to try to monetize it? I think, I think that's an important question. Kim Whitler, golfer, should never spend any time worrying about monetizing my brand, but building my brand, I should have focused on.
Does that make sense? It, it makes sense. And I, that was actually my next question. I mean, when I was, I remember when I was a student athlete, you know, you go to practice, you go to eat, you go to lift, you go to get treatment, whatever. And then you still have class and you still have homework and you still have to study. It's like at the end of the day, there's only so much time in the day to do anything. So how do I prioritize? But you know, the, the thing I struggle with, quite frankly, is, I mean, I'm just, this is the NFL or even when I, when I look at Iowa, right? Iowa had a University of Iowa the football team, and it's not just about the big sports, but in this example, it is. Um, they had a little bit of a quarterback controversy, right? So people were like rooting for the backup quarterback, and some people were rooting for the third string quarterback. Um, so, you know, at what point do you determine that the time is right? Or even the example I gave with Isaac Rochelle, I mean, the guy is not a hor. it's not a, he's not a horrible, not a bad football player. But he's also not the star on the team, right? I mean, he was on the practice squad sometimes last year. But people love the guy and his wife, and they follow him. So it's not always about the performance or where you are on the depth chart. But how do you determine it's my time to build my brand? And you shouldn't, you know, I mean, the time has to come from somewhere. Well, so let, let me let me separate it into two pieces. We're building our brand. Student athletes are constantly building their brand. They go to class. Their peers look at them. Their professors have a view of them. They're out in public. People know them. So they're observing them. All of these things, the way they behave on and off the court, on and off the field, in class, in their personal lives, in public, all of those things go into building a brand. So that's happening. They're doing it all day, every day. The way in which we act affects our brand. If you have a student who comes in late every single time to class, they're building a brand. Now, maybe that's not on purpose. Maybe it's not strategic, but they're building a brand. That we do. We're doing it all day, every day through our actions. We're activating our brand. The question for student athletes is, do you want to be strategic about that? purposeful and say, gosh, I want my brand to be reliable and dependable. So maybe I need to show up early for practice and I need to show early for class because that's how I earn a brand that's reliable and dependable. There's a second question embedded in your, in, in, in what you just said, which is when should they focus on trying to monetize and make money or really, if you will, goose their social media following, et cetera. And in the book, we go through the same process that great brand builders go through, whether you're building Tide or you're building Michael Jordan's brand or LeBron James brand, or you're building a student athlete. The process is actually very similar. It's just that you're working with a different entity. And so one of the key questions you always ask yourself is what resources do you have? The most precious resource a student athlete has is time. It is time. And so early in the book, the question is, what are your goals? And then how do you want to allocate your time to achieve those goals? And time can be, we broke time up into academics, athletics, personal, uh, and sleep. Then later in the book, we asked them to identify how much time they want to reallocate to monetizing their brand. And what this forces, Christoph, is it forces the student athletes to recognize that if they want to spend an hour a week engaging in social media or three hours a week talking to different possible sponsors, that time is coming from someplace. And you want to make sure that that's not coming from something that prevents you 
from achieving your goals. So if you're diverting sleep or diverting academics or diverting athletic time to go try to monetize your brand in the short term, is that a smart strategic decision? Brand managers have to do the same thing. Do I want to divert resources from one activity to another? How does that help me in the short term and the long term? And so what we're doing through the book is, and Jay Hodgkins and I wrote this, collaborated on this book, is we're trying to basically give them, fr frankly, fundamental brand management skills, but it's wrapped up, theory is wrapped up in application on their own brand. It's just very interesting. And also, if you have to reallocate time, you could just take time from going to the bars on Saturday night or Friday yes. night or depending when your games are. Uh, and I know that sounds hard sometimes for students to to realize. Now, um, there's certainly several ways of how you can make money off of name image likeness. And uh, here at Iowa, they have the football team. I think they create, I don't know what it's called, but some collective, right? Everybody pays $20 a month, which that's an unbelievable number, honestly, in my mind, and, and, and some good good uh, income for the athletes. Um, and then you get certain uh, benefits, right? You get to meet players, you get to in, be invited to parties and stuff like that. Um, and then the other one is where you just have a, what I would call more of an endorsement deal, right? Now you're in, in a commercial or you're something like that. And certainly if you're a recognizable name, um, that one makes sense as well. But how do athletes find the right deals? How do they find the right partnerships? Um, like, how do you, like, what tips do you have there? So I just, since you mentioned this, I was going to put this up. I don't know if you can, can you see that? No, not really. Not really. Um, so anyway, in the book, what we do is we identify some of the key ways in which uh, student athletes can monetize their brand. And then, of course, we go through it. So think of them like channels. How can Tide sell its product? Well, it can invest in different channels, social media, TV, billboards, radio, et cetera. Well, student athletes have channels of, of ways in which they can monetize their brand as well. And so we go through a, a kind of a process of helping them think about which of these channels might be most effective for them. So we, you know, some of these channels are very risky. Social media is far riskier than uh, signing autographs, right? Because unless you say something inflammatory while you're signing an autograph, it's low risk. Social media, you could say one wrong thing, you could try to be funny and it's taken the wrong way and, and get in a lot of hot water. In contrast, um, autographs do not provide an annuity-like benefit where social media can. If you amass a million followers, that can give you annuity-like benefits into the future. And so each of these channels have pros and cons, just like marketing channels do. And what we do is, again, we don't, we're not prescriptive. This is about the student athlete discovering on their own what channels might make sense for them. And so there, there are a number of these different ways in which you can monetize your brand. You were mentioning the collectives. The collectives are, you know, it's, this is another mechanism whereby alumni can support um, through these collective organizations, support uh, student athletes. 
It's just an interesting discussion. I mean, also in, at Iowa here, they ha just had a big discussion. That's that's where I live. That's why I have the Iowa examples. But they were debating over uh, not turning over donor lists because of uh, I think somebody was claiming Title IX, and everybody is saying, "What are you talking about, Title IX? Uh, isn't aren't our female athletes currently making the most money?" <laughs> Which it might be true, right? Just because there's a big name in town currently. Um, so very very interesting. Now. Some of these, I can't think of any, an example, Kim, where I've seen where somebody worked with the wrong brand, but we see it all the time, right? Um, people have the wrong partnerships, so they didn't think about them. I mean, I was, uh, I one time was approached by a company that was basically offering uh, male enhancement, one thing or another, pills or something like that. And I'm like, why would I ever talk about that on anything I do, right? That's not a match. Pretty obvious, in that case, quite frankly, but sometimes they're not as obvious. How do we, how do athletes know? I mean, and then maybe they, you know, they, they uh, wave a swat of cash. Um, so it's hard to tell you to say no, but what brands should athletes not work with and how do they know who the best partners are aside from the cash? Well, I'm going to, Christoph, I'm going to answer that question, but I want to, I, I, you actually are starting to bring up something that I found in my research to be very surprising which is when, when I started poking around and actually, you know, looking at student athletes, social media profiles, um, there, I noticed a trend uh, surprising to me. And that was in particular women, female athletes who had highly sexualized images. And about this time when I, I said, what's going on? What's happening? I was speaking to a group of um, fifth year seniors they were they were all basically red shirt athletes it was a small class at uva uh, and and i asked them i said help me understand why this is going on and their view was you know the old adage all news is good news and a light bulb went off for me because what i realized they believed they needed to do was to increase followers at whatever cost and I looked at them and I realized they didn't understand a fundamental fact of, of brand building. Brand building is not just awareness, but it's awareness of what? What does your brand stand for? And on the fly, I asked them, I said, do you know, and I think it was 2016 or 17, VW started receiving the most press that it had ever received. So from a PR perspective, they might say good news is good news. But from a marketing perspective, we would say no. What was happening at that time? They had the emission scandal. Their net momentum score dropped from somewhere in the 20s to zero, meaning that the brand image dropped like a lead balloon. And we see this over and over with celebrities. If you go back and look at Tiger Woods, you know, the world's arguably the world's best golfer, uh, in the late 2000s, he shot up Google searches, et cetera, shot up unprecedented levels. Why? Because of the uh, the uh, um, basically the, the crisis with his wife and this and the affairs and so forth. And so all of the great things he'd done on the golf course did not generate the level of awareness that that crisis generated. And so I, 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 I told the students, I said, have you ever heard of a Q score? A Q score is a measure of kind of celebrity strength. And it's, it's basically built on two things. One is awareness. And the other is 
the strength and positive associations brand. And I said, you need both. And so we then, I then conducted some research with a research assistant named uh, uh, Graham 20. He and I went through a lot of data and what we found is that believe it or not, the top most respected brands actually are signing a number of student athletes that don't have a lot of followers. In fact, of the top 100 brands, almost 40% of the student athletes they sign have less than 25,000 followers. This, I think, would surprise a great number of student athletes because their belief is, I need to have 500,000, I need to have a million followers. And so what they then do is whatever it takes to try to juice followership, even though what they could be sacrificing is building a compelling and strong brand. Does that make sense? Of course. And, you know, you got to build that community on social media, especially. So sometimes the number and also the number doesn't matter as much. And especially I always like to remind people depends on what market you're in. Right. So if you're a big power five school, of course, you might have more followers. Right. There's more fans. But if you're playing at I can't even tell you an example. Um, Cornell College in Iowa, right? Division three, I think. Don't don't at me if I'm wrong, but you know, I think it's Division three. I mean, the the audience for that for that school is much smaller than it would be for Alabama, for example. Um, the one example that came to my mind when you were talking about all good news is good news or whatever, it's not always about the PR aspect too. It's about the revenue. I'll give you an example. I know this for a fact. When Colin Kaepernick's commercial came out a few years ago. And we can argue whether that was a good commercial or not. I personally did not think it was the best commercial I've ever seen in my life. But there was so much negative feedback or, or whatever, right, from people talking about it. And you know what happened to Nike? Their search volume went through the roof when compared to Reebok and um, Adidas. Um, and the other thing that went through the roof was their revenue. So guess what? That campaign worked. If a commercial is supposed to make money, uh, you know, you have to look at the right numbers. Maybe the last three minutes here, um, Kim, talk to us about social media. And I think social media is an interesting beast for athletes. I know, I mean, I've mentioned Caitlin Clark, the fantastic basketball player here in Iowa a couple of times. Uh, she's made the pledge to do less on social media because it's such a nest of negativity. And she's like, I can't even listen to this, right? Other athletes completely go off social media because, yes, they miss a shot or they miss the pass if they play football or the block, if somebody pays attention to the big lineman, um, and they don't want to listen to it, right? They, they can They can watch their own tape and fix their own mistakes. So where's that fine line to keeping, to staying sane and then building your brand uh, what what tips do you have there and how, how do people balance that? So I was working with one of our star pitchers who ended up, um, uh, you know, baseball, who ended up um, being drafted. And I again, you know, working with young people, you start understanding how they think. And you have to remember that they start off using social media as a way to communicate with their friends. And so where people of my generation use email to communicate, they did this publicly and they did it through social media. And so it is a mental flip to say, wait a second, social media is actually a billboard. It's an ad for my brand. That is not how they view it. And so when as I started working with this player and I said, you, you know, you don't, do you want to play in the pros? And he said, yes. 
And I said, you don't have any, any images up here at all of baseball. Do you not like baseball? And he looked at me and he said, of course I like baseball. I said, well, then why don't you have any images of you playing baseball? I said, now you've got to start thinking about your social media. Who's your target? Your target is not your peers anymore. Your target are the scouts. They're the coaches in the pro. That's what you want to do. You want to be a, a pro baseball player. You need to think about what they're going to be seeing when they look at your social profile. I was talking to one of our rowing coaches and she said that they were at an event and they were watching uh, the women rowing and they were all looking, all the coaches on the side as they were watching the rowers so this is not just which of these rowers might i want to offer a scholarship to it's which of them based on their brand do i want at my program which fits my program which comes back again to the fact that um, you know, if you want to play and the coaches are going to be looking at your social media profile. And so the, the sooner that young people make the shift to becoming professional and, and the, look, this is not fair. Normal 22 year old college students don't have to worry about this. But if you're, you know, Kim Whitler in sixth grade, I was told by my father, I had to pay my way through college. I had to get a, 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 a an athletic. I had to be a great athlete. And I had to be a straight A student so that somebody would pay me to go to college. It was a job for me in sixth grade. So for somebody like Kim Whitler, who needed this to pay for her way through college, I needed at that point, if I were on social media, to start thinking about this like a pro. And so the advice I give young people is go look at a Lydia Ko. Go look at professional players like Aaron Judge. Go look at how they manage their social media profiles. To If you wanna be like them, Let's start managing our profiles in the way they do. Most of their shots are spontaneous. They're about their sport. They're not posed. They're not in swimming suits. They're not modeling shots. You know, so let's start acting a little bit more like the pros. And there are plenty of good models out there. Act like a person. And of course, it is a hard shift to move from social, the social aspect of social media to more of a professional aspect of social media. But either way, we're rooting for you to pull in those dollars um, as a student athlete. Kim, thanks for joining me. I uh, really appreciate you coming back. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. <laughs>